The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. I want to begin by inviting you to just take a look around. Put your head on a swivel. Take notice of the people that are beside you, around you, in front of you, and behind you. This is us. Today, we're going to be talking about us. We've been journeying through the relational triangle, looking at our upward lives of devotion to God, and now our inward lives of relationship with each other. Those who we are in Christian community with. I was reminded this week of the German pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who wrote a great book on Christian community. And he writes in that book, he says, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. Bonhoeffer was somebody who I learned from this week And on the onset, I thought that his situation was very different from ours. And yet it it actually had very, very, very um, similar things going on. He was a German pastor during the time of the Second World War. And he found himself being challenged by polarizing political conversations. His Christian community was also polarized on these different thoughts. At times during this um, time in Germany, it was impossible for the church to gather together as a Christian community. And Bonhoeffer himself ended up being isolated by, for some time as he was, he was taken into prison. There are lots of similarities between his time and our time. And yet, I'm captivated by his words, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. Now, this has not been an easy three years for any of us, whether it's been pandemic putting restrictions on household gatherings, polarizing political conversations with your friends, we find ourselves at a mix of all of this at an all-time low uh, in, in relational capital, in trust to each other. This makes these conversations extra hard, and yet Bonhoeffer is right. In a world that we are growing further and further apart in so many different ways, the Christian community is called to something different. We are called to find each other as an incomparable source of joy and strength. It shouldn't surprise us that Paul's letter to the Corinthians is about exactly the same thing. I kind of wish Paul was right here right now so I could take a step down and we could just listen to him for 45 minutes to an hour or knowing the Apostle Paul. Maybe it would be longer than that actually. But Paul, in the letter to the Corinthians, is talking to a church in division. 
a church wrestling with how to live life together. The entire letter is in response to divisions of worship and sex and food and leadership, and Paul provides a way forward. And a large part of that is through his vision for Christian community. In a nutshell, this passage is so powerful because Paul says in striking words that God has brought the body together. It's as simple as that. Figure it out. We have been brought together on purpose and for a purpose. We are to glorify God and to become more like Jesus. That is what we are to seek. And living as community is integral to this process. We cannot do it alone. And so what does that look like? Well, let's look at three things that the, Paul points out to us here in this passage that are unique to the Christian community that the rest of our relationships and our world can only scratch it. The first is the way we belong. The second is the way we participate. And the third is the way that we grow. These three things are how or what make Christian community such a powerful force, an incomparable force of joy and strength in our lives. So first, the way that we belong. Paul is, as I said, talking to a church wrestling with a way forward. And for Paul, ground zero is reminding them that the church is not like anything else in the world. It is entirely unique. He writes in verses 12 to 14, of this uniqueness. And he says that we are the body of Christ because we have been baptized by the same Spirit. And baptism is a completely countercultural thing. In what way? Well, imagine for a moment that you were heading to a nightclub in downtown Hamilton. How might you get in? Well, maybe you'd have to line up outside. Depending on the club, you must be on the guest list or know somebody. You'd have to have money in your pockets, sometimes even be a certain gender or body type. In other words, there are strings attached. Or what about the soccer team at school? How do you get onto that sports team? Well, you would have to go to the tryout. You would have to show yourself to be of some level of skill. You might need to have a special relationship with the coach in order to get noticed and to get playing time. There are strings attached. Even a pickup league, like Thursday Night Baseball, you have to pay an entrance fee to get in. You have to have the right color jersey on to play. There are strings attached. But this is different in the church. Paul writes in 12 to 14 that what qualifies us for belonging in the church is baptism. And baptism runs on a different track than anything else in the world because baptism is not dependent on paying an entrance fee. It's not dependent on being on the list. It's not about your performance. It is about grace. It's about grace. You know, as in the Christian Reformed Church, we are part of the tradition where we baptize infants. And one of the most powerful images of baptizing an infant is that they have absolutely no clue what's going on. It's not about them. It's about God. It's about God's promises being proclaimed to this tiny little baby. They don't have a clue. In fact, when I baptize 
kids, it's my favorite, my favorite part is to say, you know, that this is God's promises to you, that for, for you, Jesus came into the world. For you, he suffered and died on the cross, and he did all of this for you, little one, though you know nothing about it. But yet, baptism is something that we remind ourselves of over and over and over again. It is the thing that we go back to where we dip our fingers in the baptismal font and we remind ourselves that we belong because God has given us grace through Jesus. This disconnects our belonging from all morality or good works. It may surprise us to know this, but the Bible is actually not a story about good, moral, and upright people. The whole Bible, the whole story of salvation is God working through broken people, renewing them, and calling them to grow. They belong to this story, not by their moral performance, but because God has called them. God has put them in the pages of this book. And so we look through and we see that Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. Abraham disbelieved God. Jacob stole his brother's birthright and ran away like a scared little baby. Noah was a racist. David was an adulterer. Solomon was a womanizer. The disciples were all hypocrites and abandoned their leader in the moment he needed them most. And this man, Paul, who's writing these very words, calls himself the chief of sinners. Perhaps it's Isaiah, though, who's most helpful for us, who reminds us that it's not even our bad things that we should pay attention to, but that our righteousness is like filthy rags. But this should encourage us because this is a ragtag group of people. And we don't have any business being together except for the fact that God has called us here. Our belonging to this community is something entirely different. Not because we are so great, but because Jesus is. That's why we are together this morning. That is ground zero for us in our life together. It's not about us. It never was. It's all about him. And I think this humbles us and calls us to a deeper participation and love towards one another. We can check our egos at the door and participate. For Paul, the way that we participate is by bringing our whole selves into this. It's not something that you can be a part of only half-heartedly. Our belonging is by grace alone, but it's not grace that remains alone. We have to bring our whole selves into it. And even the very image of, of, of baptism is an image of dying to our old self and rising with Christ into new life, into a new life, a life of devotion to God. Paul writes in Romans, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead— through the glory of the Father, we may too live a new life. This community is the way in which we live that new life. It's life together. We receive baptism because we want to be more like Jesus every day. We want to know more about Jesus every day. We want to make him the Lord of our lives. This is discipleship. Discipleship is the Spirit-led process of Christ being formed in each one of us together. This means we are being driven, each one of us, by the same goal. This takes all of us 
bringing all of ourselves into this place. And this, I think, creates a really powerful bond between us. The Jesus bond. If you've ever been part of a club or a team, you know that there is power in the same purpose. The same reason for being there. I have an app on my phone called Strava. And it always strikes me as I, it's, it's an app that's designed to, uh, it's, I'll say it like this, it's Instagram for endurance athletes, where you can follow along with what different people are doing in rides and runs and swims. And when I scroll through all my followers, I'm struck by the diversity of geography, the diversity of race, the diversity of ages, and yet what brings us together into this place is that common passion for sport. Church is a level deeper than that. Our common bond is not an activity. It is a person. It is the king of the universe, Jesus Christ. And we run into trouble when we forget this and replace the reason why we, our common bond together with something else entirely. Sometimes we do this, we don't even realize. We, we replace Jesus as the common bond with music as the common bond. We think that the songs that we sing are what is the most important for our life together. Or we think about the liturgy that we follow, or the programs that we offer, or the people that we like to hang out with most. And Paul doesn't have any of that in here. It's about Jesus and the body of Christ. Our common bond is Jesus, and everything else falls underneath. And for Paul, the way that we participate in this bond with each other is through our gifts, both giving and receiving. Our gifts. So it's quite fascinating about this and the way that Paul describes these, uh, these things in such a way that it completely levels the playing field. The way that he talks about which gifts or which parts of the body are to be, uh, that he names in, in the in the order that he does, he's pitting them against what would be seen in the Roman world. You know, Corinth and the Roman world were, was a place where hierarchy meant everything. And power plays were at work all the time. And the, the, more, the, thing, the parts of the body that were more honorable, the, the, the head, the eyes, the ears, the parts where Paul writes that were given more honor. He says, we don't need to worry about that. The things in, that are given honor in the world, we don't honor them in the same way in the church. There is a leveling of the playing field. In fact, the detestable things, the things that, that aren't honorable in society, those are the things that we need to pay special attention to at the in the church so that we make sure that there is a parity among us all. Because each one of us was brought here for a reason. Each gift is valuable in the community and is needed. Each person here brings something to the table that is actually an essential gift that we need in order to flourish. Tracy and I have been watching uh, a show on Netflix called The Great Canadian Baking Show. And it strikes me that in this, in this show... 
um, there's one of the three challenges that the bakers have to do. It's called the technical challenge. And they're given very brief instructions and specific ingredients to complete the bake. Nothing will go unused. Everything is there for a specific purpose, and they got to figure it out. I feel like that is us in the church sometimes. We are a ragtag group of people that God has brought together. Each of us is here for a reason. Each of us brings an ingredient into the recipe that is essential for that delicious cake. How do we go about discerning what goes where? Do we give time and attention to that? It's a good question. God says, Paul says that God has placed the parts of the body, each one of them, just as he wants them to be. This tells us that the people that we are in community with right here are brought here to serve the purpose, and that means you too, each one of us. This means we have to expect that each of us will be regular contributors to the body of Christ. More than that, that you actually bring something to the table that we need. The hospitality that people receive that carries them through difficult times in their lives. The encouraging word that lifts up the downcast. The teaching that helps us grow in our faith. The leadership that directs our God-preferred future. The prayer warriors that move mountains. The generosity that changes communities and lives. The faithful that puts godliness on display. There are more. We each contribute our gifts and serve. Serve each other. And to be served by somebody else is something we're not quite used to anymore. In the West especially, we like to think of ourselves as pretty um, self-sufficient. We don't really need too much from other people. This calls us to a different way of life. One that we are humbled and open. One where we recognize that we can't do it all. And so we come into the body of Christ to be served as well. To be open to being served. To be open to growing through the gifts of other people. And to thank God for it. Now, does all of this sound outlandish to us? We think to ourselves, me? Really? I've got something that this community needs? No. No. But yes. This is true because you have received the Spirit of God. The Spirit, as the Catechism says, is responsible for our sanctification and growth. And so the way that we contribute by our gifts is the way that we grow as a community. One of the things that I've always been astounded with is how the life of Jesus transformed the lives of the 12 disciples. These were people who were natural enemies with each other. Apart from being the disciples of Jesus, the zealots would have probably been in actual combat with the Pharisees. And there seems to be attention to both in the twelve. And yet, Jesus somehow brings these people together. 
They were natural enemies that became more than friends. They became brothers in Christ. He brought people together who have no business getting along. And what we've been saying through this whole series is how Jesus lived in complete balance, up, in, and out. But if we were to fast forward to the end of Jesus' life, the one who brought everyone together, the one who reconciled relationships that had no business being reconciled, was left alone. The people that he invested in, his closest community abandoned him. He did something so incredible and yet allowed himself to be all alone. More than that, to be all alone and dying. Why did he do that? It's because Jesus on the cross was reconciling us in more than one way. Jesus' death and resurrection was a healing de death. He took the curse of sin. He took the wrath of God. He took, took the fractured unity, re fractured relationship upon himself so that we could be healed. And by his wounds, we are healed. And this is more than a reconciling relationship between God and us. It's also a reconciling death between us and each other. For now we have a bond of peace between each other. A relationship that far outlasts any of the relationships in our lives. The cross brings not just us and God together, but us and each other together. Through the power of the Spirit. You know, you and I, we are powerless to live like Christian community on our own. We've talked about our belonging. We've talked about how we participate, but we know that we are far more exclusive than we admit we are. Each one of us, we are far less willing to contribute to the community than we admit. We are far less able to hold all of us together than we think we are. But this is why Jesus died. In Christ, all things hold together. And it's in a relationship with God that our relationships with each other change. He bridged the gap of sin that none of us could come close to, so now we can bridge the gaps to each other through him. The physical presence of other Christians, as Bonhoeffer says, is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. And this is the perfect example of that. This is a lived example of the bond of Christ as we come together to receive the nourishment of the sacrament, his body and his blood given to us, we remind ourselves of the ground zero. His body broken for you. His blood shed for you. And we don't take this alone. We take this with others. We all participate in this meal. This is Jesus bringing us together. And so as we do this, I hope that we think about our life together. Think about what God has brought together in this room this morning. How we are called to have our lives together characterized by the life of Christ. That we are to love one another unselfishly, sacrificially, 
that we are to bring our whole selves into this, just as Christ brought his whole self into our world. That we are to honor one another just as Christ honors us. That we are to listen to one another just as God listens to us. This is the meal that will continue to heal us as a community. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, you are the God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and you gave us Jesus Christ, your only Son, that we might live through him, that we might be brought together through his death and resurrection. And Father, you gave us your Holy Spirit to encourage and to sanctify us, to cause us to grow. And God, we need your Spirit, perhaps in even extra measure now, as we navigate difficult conversations together, as we live life together in a challenging time. God, you've given us this meal. You've invited us to participate in it. May this change the way that we look at each other as we look to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.